Okay, it looks like, hey, it looks like you know what you're doing, guys. Rock climbers, all the children's ministry, so children from kindergarten through sixth grade, uh, there's a Sunday school for them or Bible study upstairs, so they're welcome to head up there. It doesn't say if you have a kid that age group, they have to go up there. They're welcome to stay in here. Um, as a matter of fact, once a month, if you're just visiting with us or you're new here, at least once a month, the children do stay in for a full family service, so that's really a blessing. Uh, if you've got babies, kids, they talk, cry, laugh. That's awesome. That's called being alive, so we like that. Um, I always warn I might use them in the sermon, if they, but, or they might help illustrate something. So my name is Will. Welcome to the Ridge. Guys, you are, if you're just coming in today, we're actually going through 1 John, and we're on 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 today. I'm glad, Ross, for the, some of the music you, you pick there, kind of that reminder for me not to be in such a hurry. I get excited with what God's showing me to, to share with you, and when you pick out a book, it becomes missional, like, let's get, let's get it done, right? Get through this book. But we kind of laugh at my house when we talk about this, Brandy and I. We say, what are we in such a hurry for? And once you finish First John, what are you going to do next? Another book in the Bible, right? Or a, a topic. So let's, let's squeeze every ounce of goodness out of this, okay? Grab your Bibles, if you will, if you haven't already, or your electronic device, and... We'll take a look. We'll get started, and we'll go from there. So chapter 3, start with verse 11 today, and it starts like this. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. So you can kind of see where this is going today, back, back to that love conversation. Okay. Before we dig in more, let's just pause a moment, and I just want to pray, Lord, uh, we come into this worship room, a room where worship happens, meaning that we give you all praise, all attention, authority, respect, because you are superior to us. You are God and we're not. Lord, I pray that you would tell me to say something to them that would help, that you would give me words that would bring you glory, that we would speak truth here, and that uh, all the people that you've called and brought here, Lord, that they would be built up and taught corrected, encouraged, all those things that happen on any given Sunday. So I just praise you, Jesus, and I thank you. And I pray this because of your name and your power and your authority. Amen. So love, right? Oh, yeah, like hearts, Valentine's Day, love. We go back to that. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. So who's writing this, First John? What's this letter, right? Who's writing it? John, awesome, okay. And John, he met Jesus, didn't meet Jesus. Met Jesus, one of the guys that walked around with him, right? So he's writing a letter to who? The churches, right? Like, yeah, the people, the people of the church, those, those who've come to faith in Jesus. So here we are, you and I, I can't speak for you, but in this building, our purpose here is to worship God. And so the reason why we're here is because... We want to be the church, right? The body of Christ, those who worship God, those who say on a momentary by momentary basis, you are God and I'm not, so I want to follow you. So I want to pay attention every time we get into this letter because I really think it's for us. 
I really think it's for us. I think there's messages in this every week, every verse from the Holy Spirit, right? From God through the Holy Spirit trying to come to you and I because we are those who have faith in Christ. So that, that love thing, Will, the love thing, it keeps coming up. Yeah, it's super important. Let, let me give you another scripture. So this is a letter uh, written to the Christian, the Thessalonian Christians by a guy named Paul. You might have heard of him. Uh, we find this in the chapter 4, verse 9 that we talk about. And it says this, Now as to the love of the brethren. Who's the brethren? What's that? The Christians, right? The people who, who are in, in family, right? We just learned in 1 John how great the Father's love is for us, that, that we've been given the right to be adopted as sons and daughters, right, of God if we have faith in him through Christ Jesus. So the brethren, all the brothers and sisters, everyone who's come to faith, in Jesus Christ, the love of the brethren. Now as for the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Okay. Well, that's cool. One more verse. No, check this out. Try like 35 more. If you're taking notes, I'll, I'll park here for a little bit, and that way you can. You can go watch the YouTube video later, by the way, everyone visiting us online, guys, welcome. Um, so it's a, it's a serious thing here. And what I love about that, that Thessalonian scripture is this happens to me. Understand something. Whenever they changed my, name to fir- my first name to pastor, certain things didn't change about me. I'm still the people. I'm still human. I still blow it. And so a famous line in our house, one of the things that we're always just saying is like, well, you know right? Like, we really know at a core level. I mean, you want to pretend somebody didn't tell me, so I didn't know that was wrong. Somebody didn't tell me, right, Brandy? Somebody didn't tell me, so I didn't know that was right. That's, that's stuff that comes out of the hind end of a cow, right? That's a bunch of bull, right? Okay. Like, you know, and that's what he's saying is God, he's like, guys, Paul's telling the Christians, well, we're not really loving each other, Paul. I'm sure this is the word he got, otherwise he wouldn't have wrote the letter. Paul, no one really told us how we were supposed to love one another. Paul's like, guys, come on. You know, if God is with you, if the Jesus is your Lord, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, there is access to this information if you ask. He will show you how to love one another. So quit making an excuse. And you see this all the time, right? I do this. People bring this to me. Well, you know, the churches, they really failed to tell me that that was wrong. Really? Did you need somebody to tell you that that was wrong? Right? Can we be honest? I do the same crap. You just know, Will. You know. So Paul is saying that. So ultimately, this loving our brother and loving one another is so important. It's really important. Okay, that's enough time on that slide there. Sorry, guys, if you didn't get it all. Um, now, this is where I'm supposed to tell you, go ahead and go love everyone. And then if I'm sitting in your seat, you're going to start kind of thinking about that. What's that look like, right? So, I mean, love is, love is what? Like only kind words, clearly, right? Or maybe it's like gifts. Maybe it's just uh, never saying no, always saying yes. Maybe it's always being agreeable. Uh, maybe it's financial. I don't, I don't know. Whatever you think of love, this is the challenge, right? 
Whatever you think love is, that's what you're going to portray. And this can be found most in relationships. Uh, if, you, if you share your life with other people, those people have, can have very definitions of what's loving and what's not. So what are the dangers of the definition of love? And we keep kind of coming back to that. I, I feel like I have to stop here. I, I didn't put the verse up there. But in 1 Corinthians, right, you guys might have had this. Paul is talking about what love is. And, and some of the things that love is, is it's patient. It is kind. It, it does bear with one another. But the other thing it does is it doesn't celebrate, like, unrighteousness. It celebrates righteousness. It loves truth, Right? It loves patience. And so sometimes when we're loving one another, it isn't always just being agreeable. It isn't always just saying kind, pleasant things, but it's caring for the ultimate good of another person so much that I'll tell you this is right and wrong. It's like love is so big that you're not going to nail it. You get to know me. If we have fellowship, I'm going to touch you. I might sound weird, right? No, but I'm just going to, I'm going to touch your shoulder. I'm going to hug you. I'm going to drive my wife crazy with trying to hug her, hold her hand, right? Amen? Back there, right? Anyone? Some of you, that's like, uh, don't do that, right? So I, I bring that into the occasion. So the Holy Spirit, the transformation in me is to begin to see that sometimes, like when the toilet's leaking, fixing that is very loving, Right? Sometimes telling you, no, you're being wrong. You're doing the wrong thing. No, stop it, is loving. Not comfortable for me. I'd love to buy you butterflies and a present and give you a hug, right? You get a boo-boo, I want to kiss it better. I mean, that's like how I am sort of programmed to love. So love outside of that becomes an act outside of my flesh. Fair enough? So in order for me to do that, especially in ways in which I'm not comfortable takes a tremendous amount of energy. Anyone feel that? Okay. It takes a tremendous amount of energy. It's hard to maintain. It's hard to keep going. So that's why, that's the danger of I'm giving you this letter, which I probably should have just read the whole letter to you every Sunday for like three years so we could dig into it. That's part of the problem is the context. What John was just telling us, if you were in weeks here before us, is a couple things. One thing he said in verse 1 of chapter 3 is this to see what kind of love the Father's given us. See what kind of love. Notice, pay attention, consider the love that God has for you. Consider that. Wow. Let's let's throw churchianity on on its head, okay? A a church word, give me a testimony. Be a witness, right? It's it's been given um, undertones and definitions that are super religious, What it really means is, okay, if God is true, tell me how you found that out. What happened? What did he do? How did he he show himself faithful? Where did he appear? That's your testimony, right? It's not some sort of overtly religious thing that you convert into a text, right? I used to do this. Jesus interfered, intervened, saved me. Thank you, God. Right? So consider the love the Father has for us. Think about that. Focus on that. Guess what happens? When you do that, oh man, it's, it's filling. 
It's just filling. It goes back to what John said earlier. He talked about young. He talked about children, right? He talked about young adults and parents. And, and what we did is we studied in that and we took a look. There's a development that happens, right? What we lack in energy when we're at a parent level, we gain in experience with God, confidence, patience, peace. You're tired, but you can slow down, right? Young adults, I got some truth. I want to smash the world with it, right? Okay, calm down, bro. So this is what happens. Consider the kind of love the Father's given to us. It's a filling type activity. Right, Rick? I mean, how good has God been to you and to me? Okay, so consider that. Hope, man, how good has God been, right? Yeah. Consider that. Now, from that, here's what John told us. He loves us so much, he had to tell us truth, you understand. And he said this, whoever practices righteousness is righteous. Does that make sense? Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Wow, that's not feel good. Let's go back to Valentine's hearts and hugs and teddy bears, right? But, but you see this, the practice of, it's this, I'm, I'm doing this on a continual basis. I'm, I'm practicing. When I was in sports, you went two times, three times, four times a week to continue to do that. If you played baseball like I did, if you hit um, half of the time, if you made a hit, got on base half the time you were up to bat, I would have played professional baseball, Right? That you, you don't succeed every time, but the practice of righteousness. Every time I do sin, if I keep going that way, I'm of the devil. If I practice righteousness and every time I fail, I, I repent, I come back to God, I ask for his power to continue to practice righteousness. And you see, don't forget this, because another thing they're going to tell you in church is when Jesus came, his grace, his mercy and forgiveness is so complete And that's true, but the danger is for us to learn that what we do no longer matters. False. False. Will you guys grant me permission today to not have to give you the line between heaven and hell? To not judge and tell you, here's how you get to heaven and how you get to hell. Can can I be free not to have to do that today for you? Because I don't know. I'm not God. Thank you, Lord. Right? Worship, like I'm not God. He is. But here's what I know. After Jesus came, after Jesus died, after Jesus rose from the dead, after Jesus ascended to all authority in heaven on earth, John writes this. Depending on who you ask, somewhere, you know, between 60 and like 80 years after that, he writes this. And he's telling you, whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever goes on, make it a practice of sin, is of the devil. Strong words. So take that into consideration. Practicing righteousness, practicing sinfulness, lawlessness. Back to 1 John 3, guys. Jump you back there. Verse 12. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? 
because his own deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. Who's Cain? What's that? Can you say that again? I'm sorry. Speak up. Son of Adam and Eve. That's right. You guys remember that? Genesis? Um, so Adam and Eve had two sons. What were their names? The first two. Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. So this goes back right to the beginning, and John is referring to this. We should not be like Cain. We should not be like that one son of Adam and, and Eve, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Let, let me take you there, Genesis 4. It says this, Genesis 4, I'm starting part of the way in verse 3, or verse 2, I'm sorry. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep. So he was a shepherd, right? And Cain, a worker of the ground, the farmer. Verse 3, in the course of time, stop there a second. Right, Brandy, we keep talking about this. We guys, we think linear, so we read a story like this, and we think it's like one day you're here, the next day here, the next day here. No, Cain and Abel were born, were growing up. This became their professions. Over time, they had a relationship, right, with each other, with their parents, with God, and work. Over time, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. But the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. Then what happened? Verse 6. So the Lord, right, he saw that, that as he described it here, as Cain's face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to his brother Abel, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. I'd ask this question, what? Right? What's just happened here? So Cain kills his brother. And what John is telling us is like, why did he kill him? Because Cain's works were evil and Abel's were righteous. So here's a, here's a better question you should be asking when you look at that. Why in the world, Randy, did, did God not, as it said, regard Cain or his offering? You're saying his offering was never given to God to begin with. Yeah, there's lots of theories about this. That's, no, that's right on. Um, so what's interesting about that is, is if you read that, guys, a couple things. It says that God had regard for Abel, for Abel, who he was, and for his offering. But God did not regard who Cain was, nor his offering. So there's two pieces here. There's who he is, the heart of the man, and what the man did. You see that? So the question is, how come, if we go back to that, how come there was a problem with Abel's? A lot of people want to say, well, you know, if you look in the future at, at the sacrifice-based system, then what you brought was a blood sacrifice to atone for sins. Is that familiar? 
You start going on in the Bible. Um, the problem with that is there was no instruction about that in the first three chapters of Genesis. So I'm not going to tell you that that's what was going on, why his offering wasn't good, because it wasn't a blood sacrifice. But some people believe that in the passing of time, they were given instruction, and Cain was disobedient, and Abel was obedient. That's possible, right? Um, you know, more likely is, is like... Uh, Another question was like, okay, was his crops trash and his animal sacrifice good? Was it the quality of that? There's no information there. We can't go there. Most likely what we see, guys, is God knows the heart of a man and a woman. And when he creates us, he creates us in his own image, but he gives us certain characteristics and passions that you just can't deny. And if you want to deny it, right, you, people argue, are you more nature-based or nurture-based? And good luck ever conducting a science experiment where you can remove one or the other and prove that to me. I can tell you this. Anyone who's had more than one kid will raise more than one kid in the same house and see how different they become. You're going to know that each one of us is a product of both the nature that we're given, the created order of God, and the nurturing and the roles in which we play. Okay? So I'm presenting that to you. Each one of you is the summation of, of how you were created as well as what's happened to you and what you've been through and how you've responded. So we have Cain and we have Abel. Different dudes, different personality types, both known by God intimately. And something in Cain's heart was off. God did not regard him. He knew Cain. He knew Abel. And so Abel offered in faith, which tells me he had a life of faith. Again and again, faithful over time. That, that Abel, he knew. He had faith. He trusted God. Cain, on the other hand, did not. And so he crossed the T's and dotted the I's and checked the box by, okay, here's the vegetables. And God said, no. Nah. That's my theory. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying to his gifts, and through it, he, being dead, still speaks. That's from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. So here's what we have. We have John referring to these two brothers, one who had faith, who God knew his heart. And so the sacrifice that he brought, the offering that he brought, was acceptable to God. And then the second brother, who, right, who, Cain, who did not have a life of faith, who didn't come by faith, but by obligation, and gave an offering to God, and it was not accepted to God. Okay, you with me still? Okay, well, let's, now let's get back to the scripture we're talking about here. Uh, back to 1 John 3, verse 12. So here's what John's telling us. We should not be like Cain. Okay, John. Why shouldn't we be like Cain? We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. Check, don't murder your brother. Dante, got it, bro? Don't kill him. Okay, you're good, we're cool. He's got it. Chris? Don't kill your brother, man. Okay, cool, we're there. 
And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. So there's a problem here. It's like that, that we might use this word jealousy in our language. There was this jealousy. How come God is always giving him favor and not me? And then, and then John brings it home. Verse 13. So do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Well, you can kind of look at this. This is difficult. Does the world hate you? Does anyone hate you for what you believe? A lot of us probably the answer might be no. Which in, in part of me is like, yay, but then the other part of me is like, oh, dang, we're probably falling short a little bit, right? If I've never said anything that's crossed somebody else up because it was true, I've probably not said everything I needed to say. I can tell you this. I mean, some of you, if you haven't found that, maybe the more you, the more you lay down to walk the way of Jesus... Um, the more people aren't going to understand you. Like, I felt that. People don't know. I almost hate. I almost hate meeting somebody new if they find out I'm a pastor, right? Because then they just act all sorts of weird. Everything's a Bible verse, and you're like, you don't have to use a Bible. I don't talk in Bible verses. Right? I'm just weird now. It's true, though. Gets real. Oh, hey, nice to meet you. What do you do for... I'm a pastor. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, it was good to talk. Yeah, so it's just weird. Understand that. I think this is helpful because sometimes if, if you change the expectations, it helps your experience. That being true, if you are feeling, right, if you are feeling certain persecution, the fact, guys... Just let's lay it out there, man. As offensive as this can be, I want to be offensive. Guys, I am a middle-aged, heterosexual, white Christian man. I'm the worst human on the earth. Everything about me is prejudiced and racist and full of hatred in our culture. It is, right? You can do anything you want to me. That's okay. But if I, if I cross anyone, my eyes towards anyone who's not like me, that's hateful. So I'm doing that. That's good, right? Okay. Right, Christian, middle class, white, heterosexual male. Like, I'm nasty, I'm gross, man, I'm evil and mean. And, and so that, if you aren't those things, I'm not meaning to insult you, but you have that benefit. You can throw stuff at me. That's allowed, okay, in our culture. But brothers, sisters, do not be surprised if the world doesn't get you. As a matter of fact, if they hate you. Fourteen, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Oh, Lord, tell us about this, man. Because I was just reading through this so fast, but, but check this out. Let's go back. Do you understand? After Adam and Eve fell, Cain and Abel did their thing. What happened to you and I, even though Adam and Eve did not physically die the day that they disobeyed God, their bodies started to decay And spiritually, they were dead. They were abiding in death until something would come save them. Do you get that? No, not really. But believe me, this is true. Now look around you and see if this still remains true. Right? The trees, they're almost ugly again. Very quickly, they were beautiful with flowers, and then it goes away, right? Right? You used to be too young, and then some night you went to sleep, and you woke up, and now you're too old. 
I don't know what day, what minute that was, and which side of that you're on. Um, You're married to a beautiful woman, a handsome guy. The guy across here might be a little bit more handsome to you right now until you marry him. Then you would hate him as bad as you hate this spouse. And then you'd have an ex-wife or ex-husband, right? You can't win in this life. We are given into a life of death where our body's decaying. We're on a fast track to destruction, physically, spiritually, emotionally. You can't win. You're too young. You're too old, too thin, too fat, too buff, not buff enough. I wanted to have facial hair. It never quite came in until it came in gray. You just can't win, right? Baby face to Santa Claus is what's happening here, okay? It's like the old saying, you believe in Santa Claus, then you are, and then you look like him. So depends on where you're at in this process. Um, so here's the problem. How do you know? Like, I'm not the judge of heaven and hell, but what John is trying to tell us is this is how you know. If you're reading this, if someone's reading this to you, consider this. Consider this. How do you know that you've passed out of that path to death, off the cliff, into a path of life, that even though your body's going to decay, even though you are too old and too fat and too gray and too stupid, that eventually you're going to shed this body and let it go down the cliff, right, to the worm food, and the real you is going to be ascended forever with God. How do you know that you've passed out of death into life? What's it say? How do we know? Because we love the brothers. Oh, it's maddening. How do we do that? Right? It's just everywhere. It's like, come on, got to be something easier than that. Because the truth is we fail at this. And so what he's saying is whoever does not love is abiding in death. You're remaining in that death path. There is something here, guys, that we're so focused on eternity that we forget why in the world did God leave us here for 20, 30, 40, 60, 70, 80, 90 years. Because we are either walking the path of life or walking a path of death. And the greatest evil in mankind has always been done by man. It's not magic. It's men doing awful things. It's Cain killing his brother. Well, yeah, Will, but he was being controlled. He was being influenced for sure, for sure. And all that time, the fact that Abel had favor and he didn't made him angry. His face fell. What's that mean when your face falls? When I read that, I'm like, I know what that means. It's, it's hopeless, right? I see it in people and you see it in yourself. You try, you want to do, and then your face fell. It's that coming to the end of yourself. Your face falls. So I say this to you as not an expert, a subject matter expert, okay? This is not something, man, Brandy, am I doing good at this? Not really. Did my face fall just in the last two weeks? Yeah, it fell. Just like, ugh. You're practicing righteousness or you're trying and maybe not practicing righteousness and then you, oh yeah, I guess that was the wrong move, right? You failed to do the thing you're supposed to. But my job is to present truth to you and to me. The truth is this, you have to choose. Do you, are you going to abide 
in life, to stay and remain in life. And then what happens when, when you're, with your life when you abide in life? Lois, it's like you say that your aunt say, well, it's like Jesus comes shining out of your eyeballs, right? That's what it is. Like you can produce life or death. Is it life? Is it death? What are you going to live in? What are you going to be part of? What are you going to perpetuate? Are you going to practice righteousness? Or are you going to practice sinning? The world's telling us there's a middle ground. There isn't. God hates the lukewarm, right, in their faith. Either be on fire or admit you aren't. Quit lying and pretending because you're killing the witness of Christ to the world. You're killing the gospel. You're, you're bringing death, living in death everywhere that you go. Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. Understand the context of this is Moses is saying this. It's in a couple of the last chapters before he's done, man. His ministry is done. His life is done. But he says this to the nation of Israel. So I am taking it out of the context. Forgive me. But I think this remains true. He told, tells the people after everything they've been through. He's like, see, I set before you today life and prosperity and death and destruction. You choose. You choose. Like, we think our choosing doesn't matter anymore because Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to force you to choose him. He gave you an opportunity to choose him. See, I set before you today is what I want to say. Man, God is setting before us today life. Life, to abide in life, to hope for life, to remain in life, to focus on life. Like the things that we're doing. Guys, and the implications are endless. Back to John. John 3. The end of verse 14, whoever does not love abides in death. When you do not love, you're choosing death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Wow, he's taking a greater Chauncey man. If you don't love your brother, you hate him. You murder him. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We forget about that, right? Because the Christianity we've been given, guys, is just believe, like mentally believe, and then, you know, 60% of doing the right thing, maybe, and you're going to be okay. No, we're talking, what are you going to choose? There is no meh in Christianity. There's no eh. There's no like, not let's take this serious. This is serious. What you do, what I do matters. Everyone who hates his brother. So, God told Cain after he fell on his face, or his face fell, I'm sorry, I fell on, he should have fell on his face. There'd be a different story, you see, if Cain would have fell on his face. There's the end. Thank you, Lord. There's the end of the sermon. We're coming back to that. Okay, you guys ready? The Holy Spirit works this cool way. He says, if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Do you see the reality of what's going on? Like, when you're not doing well, sin is like, oh yeah, right? Let's do it. Perfect opportunity. Man, you're tired, you're bitter, you're angry, your heart's hardened. Your heart, heart is hardened. What an opportunity. What an opportunity for sin, for darkness, for Satan to be like, ah, Josh, I got something for you, buddy. And then when you say yes, the worst evil happens the worst evil happens. That's from Genesis 4. 
Okay, well, okay, that's Genesis. You guys remember Pete, old Peter? Cephas, the rock? Foot and mouth disease founder, right? Okay, he wrote a letter. The first one of them we call First Peter. Chapter 5, verse 8. He says this, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It's the same thing that God was saying to Cain. Dude, why is your face fall? Come on, man. Like, you know. You know when you do the right thing, when you do what I've asked you to do, when you keep my commandments, it goes well with you. And when you don't, when you don't do the right thing, you know that sin Evil and the darkness is right there putting its twist on it, man. They want to smash you and devour you and use you to smash other people. They're just waiting. What's this look like? I think of extremes, right? Extremes is like there is nothing spiritual. So either you're blowing it or I am. And God hates me if it's not going well. And then there's everything spiritual. Well, Satan did it. Not today, Satan. You're doing it. No. The truth is, in the reality, when I begin to agree with the evil suggestions, evil happens. When I say no, when I begin to agree with God and go things his way, I'm showing that I have faith in God. I'm walking that out. And, right, you reap what you sow. There is consequences, Yeah, God forgives you, man. If you use, like, meth for 10 years, God can forgive you, but your body will be damaged from that, right? You you have a marriage, you have kids, you get divorced. Is there forgiveness? Yes, but there's consequences. How's high school graduation for you? Ugh, nasty, right? Consequences. You don't take care of your body when you get older? Consequences. Like, all these things, consequences. You don't pay your bills, you get kicked out of your house, even if God forgives you. Jesus didn't come so that no one got evicted, so that divorces were okay, so that drugs wouldn't impact you, so that you could eat whatever you want, right? That's not what what that's about. There is a way, a path in which is to life we have to choose to take, and if we don't, then we still get death. Love or hate, life or death, God or Satan. hey, maybe someone will start hating me if I talk like this. What do you think, right? Love or hate, life or death, God or Satan. So if all this hinges on our ability to love, That's why when they asked Jesus, right, they tried to ask, and they were trying to trap him, but we got a great truth. Jesus, they asked Jesus, you'll see this in Matthew, and it's in, in Mark, and it's in Luke, some kind of version of this, but they're asking Jesus, sort of trying to trap him. Man, there's so many laws, there's so many things to do, Jesus. What? You know, we see that you're wise, what's the most important thing? And, and then that's what he explained to them. He's like, well, all those laws are really wrapped up in this reality, these two things. The first is you have to love God, right? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. So he's basically saying you've got to love God and serve him with everything that you have. And the second 
is just as important that you love your neighbor as yourself. Which makes sense, right? You start going through the laws. We don't do the harmful things if we had love for God, others, and ourselves. We wouldn't do a lot of these things, not to ourselves and not to each other. But man, we, we can't crack the code on how to do this, on how to love our brothers. We either become too permissive and we just let everything go. And like we become hurt and abused by people. Or then we harden our hearts and then we build up walls instead of fences, right? We build up walls and, and we don't let them out. Guys, we are failing to do this, this thing that God, I won't say simple, it's really hard. Well, what do you want me to do? Well, we want something to do. I don't, I don't know the, the situation you're in and you don't know the situation I'm in, but the prayer here, what, what we got from, from First Thessalonians a little earlier is like, you don't need me to write to you. You guys, you don't need me to tell you right now how to love your brother. You get that? I can't tell you I can't write the next book to tell you how to love your brother. I, I can't write it. I can't preach it. I can't make, have Ross write a pretty song about it to let you know. For you yourselves, he said, are taught by God to love one another. So, Brandon, let me use this cool, cool trick that you use on me. Did you ask God about that? Right? Let me bring that to you. Did you ask God about that? If, if loving others, your brothers, is so important, that's all I want you to do at the end of this, is that you'd spend some time asking God, teach me, show me how to love one another. So consider, consider doing that. And then I want to give you sort of a preview of where we'll go next week. This continues on in First John. Verse 16 says this, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Here's a cool thing. Why do you go to church? First and foremost, why, why do you go to church? Worship. Worship. He's God, I'm not. And really clearly, if you want to stay in your living room and read this Bible, what would it take you back to? How do you know you've passed out of death into life? How do you love your brothers? Uh, I don't know. I lock myself in my house and don't love anybody. Okay, how is that working? But guys, understand this. Here's what you're invited to. I, I would love for you to be part of like this church family. And the best thing that I know to do is to speak truth to you and pray for you. And the best thing that the leadership of this church knows is to give opportunities for people to be involved in ministry. You know why? Not because you're going to get smarter, but because you're going you're to tick each other off. You're going to hurt each other's feelings. The last two years have been crazy. If you haven't been here, it's been quite a ride. Brandy and I were off three months on like a sabbatical. 
And then we came back for like two months, and then we had a pandemic, right? Like, it has separated people. It's weird between a lot of people. Like, we have effectively hurt each other's feelings a lot. We're doing good, right? Okay? Now, the question is this. If we are children of God, how we know that we've passed out of death into life is how we love one another in spite of that. I mean... We've been separated. Things have been turned upside down and twisted. And I mean, you see it. You're going to be here and you're going to think this is the most important thing, but Pastor Will doesn't think this is the most important thing. But you don't really want to do anything about it. You're just hoping I'll do something about it and you'll be mad and you're not getting fed here and the music isn't doing this. What I, I prefer this artist. And I don't like this group because they said something bad, so we shouldn't listen to them. This is the type of stuff daily, guys. This is the type of stuff daily. And what's awesome is God is like changing my heart in that. Lord, teach me how to love the brother. I just smile at how freaked out you are about those things that don't matter because it's perfect that you're pissing each other off. It's perfect. Isn't it? You get to do the one thing John is saying. To love your brother. To give yourself up for them. So even if you don't have this, well, I used to do communion every week. I never did communion. Okay, welcome here. Here's what we're going to offer it. Oh man, creation, that's the hugest thing. Okay, great. You want to do something about that? That's great. Bible studies. Oh, I love the chosen. I hate the chosen. Okay, I, I don't care. Disagree, but love one another. Then don't go to the Bible study. You should go to the Bible study. Get there, love women. Woo, isn't that exciting though? Think about it. Let's twist our, let's t- if our hearts get hardened, guys, we're going to get jacked. And that's what's happening if we're not careful. That's what God is showing me. Teach me how to love my brother because that is so key. And the only reason you won't is this, because you're worried someone's going to hurt you. (laughs) And why is that? Because God is so small. God is so small to you. What's the fear? Like Paul, oh death, where is your sting? I mean, kill me. The God of all the universe... has revealed himself to me. I mean, see, now you blew it. You came in here, you heard about him. There's no excuse now. I don't care if you think you're not hearing from him or not. Like, praise him. Praise him with words, with songs. That's what we're going to do. We praise and praise and praise until we can't help but worship. And when we worship and worship, then we see God's majesty fall, Right? And so we come here, like, keep alienating each other and bouncing back. Keep alienating each other and bouncing back. Keep, keep getting hurt feelings and then know, yes, they hated him. They're not going to like that I spoke that truth. But I had to because love demanded it. Okay, that's too many words. Let's pray. Okay, let me make this simple. Okay, all those things I said. Here's this. Okay. Actually, hold out your hand. This is fun. Okay. Here's all I want you to I want you to ask God. Right? Let's go back. Ask God, teach me to love one another. Okay? Take that. 
Deal with it now, and then when you're done, there's, there's enough of it. You can put it in your pocket for later, okay? Teach me to love one another. Okay, let's pray. Lord, teach us to love one another. You are so mighty, so powerful, so great. Why would we fear anything? Disease, nothing compared to you. Physical harm, nothing compared to you. Emotional hurt, nothing compared to you. The failing of men and women, nothing compared to you. Teach us, Lord. Teach us, Father. Teach us, Holy Spirit, to love one another. We ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.